from meager beginnings as an adolescent ambulance washer in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, to a decade-long legacy of bringing you breaking news before it makes the news. Broadcasting live from the studios of Scared Monkeys Radio Network via C-Band Satellite W3-957, Access Communications Channel 7, and worldwide via digital streaming audio at scaredmonkeysradio.com, it's the Dana Pretzer Show. And now, your host, Dana Pretzer. Okay, it's another week of the Anthony trial, and what a week it has been. And uh, without further ado, let's go to Blink from Blink on Crime. Rumored to be Roy Cronk's hairstylist, I hear, but I'm not sure if that's true or not. Can you can you comment on that? I can comment. You always have these sneak attacks. <laughs> How are you, Dana? I, I'm fine. I'm fine. What a day. Let's, uh, let's start with um, uh, the uh, constant constitutionality, say that three times, quick uh, question about the death penalty and them wanting a new jury. Well, Antonell, who is the death penalty qualified counsel, um, we need to backtrack because what happened since you and I last spoke uh, was major and fundamental in this case. And what happened was (laughs) Judge Perry was forced to suspend and recess proceedings for the weekend. And nobody knew why. And because there's only a limited amount of reasons why he could do that, under the Supreme Court of Florida, there were some assumptions made. We happen to be correct. <laughs> um, it, apparently, uh, the, the competency of Casey Anthony, as ridiculous as it sounds, three years later, was called into question by her lead counsel. Yeah. And I emphasize lead counsel, uh, Jay Cheney Mason. And that was out of nowhere. It was just clear that there was dissension in the ranks and there was a problem. And we didn't know what it was, but it was clear that it was council-related for them to suspend proceedings the way that they did. At the end of the day, uh, it turned out that he uh, requested a competency evaluation, which he got in an emergency setting. It's just unheard of, Dana that in the middle of a trial this happens that quickly by three separate uh, forensic psychiatric professionals. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on the horn a few times today. Can you tell? Yes, I can tell. (laughs) Um, And at the end of the day, she was found to be competent. What was interesting, and as you brought up, the motion for uh, to actually for mistrial, whereby Anne Fennell, the only death penalty qualified attorney that she has, suddenly shows up in open court and is actually also cross um, examining witnesses. She is the death uh, penalty Wadir attorney that showed up early on in the case, but what she also did was she's the mitigation. It's really odd to see her in a functional role in the criminal case phase because, you know, the the theory is that um, if they're going to, if she's going to be utilized uh, for um, mitigation factors or mercy, if you will, then jurors are not going to want to see her defending her in the guilt phase. Because then they, you know, form an alliance or form an apathy, if you will, to somebody. All of a sudden, Jay Cheney Mason is upset. They have an altercation. Casey uh, is the subject of a competency hearing, and Ann Fidel is in court. <laughs> Blink from Blink on Crime is here, and it's uh, it's been a hell of a week at the Anthony trial. And you know what, Blink, we can stop all this right now. I, I see breaking news coming across the screen. Never mind all the pundits. Never mind all the the so-called experts, the lawyers, and the uh, and the the people that are sit, sitting back analyzing this. I am seeing breaking news that Kim Kardashian has spoken, and uh, she says that the uh, Casey Anthony verdict will be shocking. 
Now, this is breaking news on RadarOnline.com. So if Kim Kardashian is saying this, then, you know, to hell with uh, headline news and Vinny Barbarino or whatever his name is and, and Nancy Grace and Jane Velez Mitchell and Geraldo and his boat, we got to listen to Kim Kardashian because she is the uh, the voice of reason when it comes to this case. Anyway, I'm sorry for that, but that's true. I just read it. I, I did. I just read it. Anyway, let's let's... <laughs> let's 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 continue. That it's it's uh, and where can we start? You know, I want to start with Roy Cronk a little bit. And I made a joke at the start of the trial, or at the start of the trial, at the start of the show that you were his hairstylist because I saw lots of comments about his mop and 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 that's okay because uh, you know I haven't got much hair and he's got a whole lot and he just doesn't know how to comb it. But Roy Cronk, I think Cronk the defense today, and he was a excellent if and very competent witness and uh, did more for the prosecution than uh, for the defense. Am I wrong? No, you hit the nail on the head, Dana, and I haven't finished the piece that's going to encompass where we are, but I call him the cronky tonk. <laughs> he brought the cronky tonk to Mason, who is an old school Floridian gentleman with a deeply southern um, way (laughs) and to hear this today I have I I have to be honest I've seen a lot of bizarre handling of this this defense's case and to see the handling today uh, after as we just talked about the whole competency hearing and there's no question that Mason wanted out of this case it wouldn't have happened it just doesn't happen there's no competency hearings that you can reference or cite in case law in Florida where, you know, at the 11th hour, they're checking the clients or, you know, the defendant's competency. It has to be with an interrelational problem in the defense. And so we watched today Roy Cronk being uh, on direct in the defense's case, and I'm literally going, "What? maybe I'm the idiot. Maybe it's me, because what I'm not understanding is, if your defense theory is that this baby was never in the woods up until two weeks before she was located, her remains were located, scattered in a one-mile radius, literally, on December 11, 2008, if that's your theory, why would you be cementing the fact that this gentleman comes upon what he thinks is her remains in August yeah. of 2008, and he's thinking he may see have seen her skull, so there's a, a skeletal quality, for lack of a better term, meaning it all aligns with the prosecution's case. What the hell am I missing? <laughs> Why would you underscore that? Because yeah. that's what they did. Yeah. You know, Robin Sachs is on after you tonight, and uh, actually, I've recorded the the interview with her, and and she was uh, speechless when it came to a lot of this. In fact, she even used the term "retarded," and then felt so bad about saying it <laughs> after a while. Yeah, and that's just how Robin is to say. You can the, you tell her? Can you tell her I'll represent her? Because that's not really socially productive anymore. Oh, I know, I know, and, and <laughs> yeah. it, it, it slipped out, and I'm going to air it anyway because you know me. But uh, it, it is, it, it's just, <laughs> it's amazing. And you know, I sat back the little bit that I watched today. In fact, I've got it on in the background here right now, and and we'll get into George and, and River Cruise or River Phoenix or whatever her name is here in a little bit. But uh, and and the relevancy of that, but. You gotta wonder what Baez is is thinking or not thinking. You you remember a, a few uh, uh, shows ago? I forget even who I had on this. The, the guest Diane Diamond, maybe I forget. And they said he was uh, crazy like a fox, like he was doing all this to. But really, he can't be. I, I saw a couple of uh, correctional officers testify today, very briefly, about how Casey is very nice. Uh, in jail, very polite, very courteous. And, and I, I wanted to ask you tonight, even though that seems like such a nonchalant uh, testimony, in, in not in front of the jury, uh, what you think Baez was doing by even calling these two witnesses and, and what his thoughts are. Well, frankly, 
this is his job. He's her defense attorney. Yep. And who you're referring to is a proffer by um, correctional officer and superintendent slash warden, uh, Monsumi, Monsami, excuse me, and um, the daily correctional officer for Casey. And they're testifying to her demeanor, her uh, role as a model prisoner, uh, prisoner, which is not that hard to do when you're in solitary confinement or, excuse me, protective custody. I can tell you, as a point of fact, there's a discord between the fact that her attorneys are having her um, evaluated for competency, <laughs> and then you're calling witnesses to say how great and level she is. Right. And that's fine. They're doing what they need. To, they're doing the defense is doing what they need to do in terms of trying to get people in that can mitigate damages in this case. I say that I understand their defense. I don't. I am clear. I can evaluate their opening statement. I could probably regurgitate it at this point. Nothing that they have presented in the way of the defense underscores, highlights, um, gives credence to anything that they have said. In fact, it, it's, it's the antithesis of what they've offered. And in the state of Florida, you're going to have the state coming back and saying, here's what they promised, you know, over-commitment and under-delivery in a capital case equals death. Right. I asked Robin this question, and I'll save the answer till she comes on, uh, but can they take the death penalty off the table? No. Not now. They have a death penalty qualified jury. Right. No, I, I... I mean, to the extent to the extent that, Dana, if, if she's not found guilty of uh, the capital crime that she's being charged with, which in this case, in my understanding, is either aggravated um, felony child abuse, which is tied to a first-degree murder charge in Florida. Right. I can't say that if she's um, found guilty of a, a lesser included, where that isn't mandatory, that that wouldn't be the case. You know, I'm looking on the form as we're, we're speaking here, and if anybody has questions for Blink, go ahead and post them, and if I can uh, pick up on them, I will certainly ask her. But I'm seeing the uh, somebody's posted that Kim Kardashian has spoken. Casey Anthony verdict will be shocking. And I'm looking at Kim, and I'm looking at Casey, and you know, by gosh, Kim could play Casey in the Lifetime movie that I'm sure we'll see uh, when this uh, is all over. I'm just curious who you think could play Cindy Anthony uh, with uh, Phyllis Diller, maybe? <laughs> okay. You're going to make me say this, aren't you? Yeah. I saw an image today, and it's not relative necessarily to Mrs. Anthony's uh, look, but I saw an image of Cindy Anthony and Casey Anthony portrayed as um, Austin Powers and Mini-Me. I saw that. <laughs> it is <laughs> And I went... I really want to compliment that person on their originality, but that's not my thing. I'm trying to keep this, you know, uh, functional and level, yes. but hilarious. Yes, I know, I know. If I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I can't even say who I would think this would I would really like it if, if, if Cindy Anthony would portray somebody else, if I may. Well, it was... Like a person with a level of integrity. Cindy Anthony may be portrayed as someone wearing prison blues here in the next little while, and that was actually on my list of questions for you. Uh, a lot of the TV pundits are talking about her perjuring herself uh, and uh, coming back on the stand again today. And let's talk a little bit about Cindy and and uh, what she's been doing uh, to herself and to the case. That's an excellent question, Dana. One of, one of the things that I'm proud of is recently our last actually on Cindy's testimony resulted in two new state witnesses today. I'm not sure if you had a chance to uh, see that. Uh, but they are from Gentiva Services, her former slash current employer as it relates to her 
disability claim that she's on. Right. But when she was last on the stand, as we talked about, she you know, literally said, I might have been at my house on March 17th and March 21st in days and times in question when the chloroform searches went off. As you can imagine, like most people, when she was testifying, that would be, I mean, it's a vast departure. It's the first time she's ever said such a thing. And it was clear when, uh, on, on redirect, when Linda Green Burdick was questioning her, this came out of left field. Well, in about 10 seconds, we do what we do, and we're able to produce, um, you know, the Chief Compliance Officer General Counsel for Gentiva, uh, John Keperlingo, and that information went to the state, and they are, as of today, listed as new witnesses to the state. She is not going to be in a position where she is going to BS anybody. Yeah. And to that end, today, Lee Anthony uh, actually testified right after his mom, Mommy Dearest, <laughs> that <laughs> Cindy said, well, I was never, I never told those guys, air quotes, those guys being Dominic Casey and Jim Hoover uh, to search suburban with a video camera, and Lee directly contradicted that testimony and said, well, my mom told me, I think it was in the round October of 2008 that she had sent them down there and there was no result. And as a result, I went back to work. I mean, can these people, there's a dead baby, someone they love, crying on the stand one day, and then you would hear something like that and it's so in emotional and ineffectual in your family. I feel like we're watching, you know, the grifters <laughs> all over again. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Blink from Blink on Crime. Our sister blog is here and of course we're covering the Anthony trial. Uh, last week, the week before that, uh, we've talked about George Anthony and we've talked about how some have uh, came forward and, and, and said that his uh, they have a different opinion of him, I guess I should say. <laughs> Poor George got on the stand today, and the old saying about stepping in it, boy, did he step in it with two feet. Um, I, I don't, I'm having a real hard time with the, this uh, Holloway River cruise, whatever her name is. I think that uh, she's nothing more than someone who's selling herself to the media will do anything to get on any sort of media broadcast. Uh, there are stories that her sister sold her story to the inquire, all this kind of stuff. But when George got on the stand, I actually felt bad for him today because he looked like a complete buffoon. Uh, he t- took his credibility again and sunk it. Uh, is it that important what happened today with George Anthony and River Cruz? Is River Cruz even going to be called to the stand uh, she's making her rounds on on all the shows. In fact, uh, even a show that likes to compete with me was was um, was saying that she will be on their show tonight. And uh, I wouldn't give her three seconds of airtime, let alone even talk about her. And I, I and here I am talking about her. What are your thoughts on River Cruz, George <laughs> Anthony, and uh, and the text well, my message? Thoughts are kudos to you, Dana, because if you did, I don't know that we'd be having this. I would be like. What's up with Dana? Yeah, I know. No, I know. I, uh... I have no... I have no... You know, there is tabloid radio, and there is your show, and I'm very proud of that for you. You deserve the credit, so kudos to you. But that's kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about the same relativity within the trial. There's a reason that Crystal Holloway slash River Cruise who undoubtedly would like to be on any kind of cruise on any river <laughs> she could to get away from this mess. And at the end of the day, one of the things I want to point out is that if you think about it, and Red and I had this conversation the other day, the, God, the thousands of man hours that have gone into this investigation yep. to get to a hopefully successful prosecution it's not even considered when we're watching this trial. In other words, how little 
that was developed that we are aware of as citizens is even presented. Think about that from a law enforcement perspective. Yep. What they've had to investigate, what they may or may not have thought was complete BS, it still has to be investigated. Yep. And I just, I, I'm, I want to give them the shout out that I think that they deserve because can you imagine being wired in this mess? Oh. I mean, George Anthony is no model citizen. No. This family is a train wreck um, inventing new train wrecks, I think. Yeah. And I, I say that with respect to Kaylee, the victim in this case, who is easily forgotten by the fact that there is all this other white noise and all this other you know, evil, all these other problems going on. But the reality is this tiny little cherub is the reason we're all talking about them. We're not talking about them because they've ever achieved anything great. We're not talking about them because Casey was able to snow people for two years, plus that she had a job and steal several thousand dollars, make a deposit uh, slip to her parents, cause them to break up, in effect. Um, the takeaway needs to be when you enable a person like Casey, and when you have the dynamics in your family, there are other options other than, God forbid, you know, the death of a baby and all the things that go with that. It's just, I've always been afraid, Dana, that people would be more hateful of the Anthony than they would be compassionate to the takeaways of this case. And that is, the Casey Anthony's of the world based in a similar situation going, okay, I have other options. And that does not include harming my child. To me, that's why we pay attention to cases like this. Yeah. So that has to be the end result. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Blink from Blink on Crime is here. Is a question for you in the forum asking who you think the six witnesses will be. Uh, the, um, the question asker says this, George, Cindy, Lee, River, Jesse, Casey, and that's, I always ask this question when we get to interview you, and possibly the grief counselor, and that's doubtful, your thoughts. I think George will be last. I think that at this point that the defense, and if I could answer this question at about 30,000 feet, because these are witnesses that we've seen. You know, Jesse was on as a, Jesse Grunge, her former fiancé, right. uh, was on as a proffer today, and I don't think he'll see the light of day. I think that um, uh, the correctional staff was on today as proffered, and what we can take away from that is that, um, I've, I've recently related this term, spaghetti against the wall, and that's what I think is happening. They're going to try and figure out who they're going to end with, because it's a uh, fluid defense, if we will. Um, I think George is going to end, although I don't, I, I'll be honest with you, I, saw, I, I had a little fear today when he was on the stand, because I'm not positive that when you had Lee, and this is huge, Dana, Lee testified today that his mother, Cindy Anthony, told him that she sent Dominic Casey and James Hoover down to Suburban with a videotape and did not find Kaylee's remains in October 2008. Mm -hmm. And she was literally on the stand about two minutes prior to that saying, no, I didn't. I'm not convinced that these folks, I say kindly, uh, are not part of the defense strategy. And the only thing that has changed the vector on that is that Cindy saying, oh, you know what I think? I think I might have gone home for lunch on March 17th and March 21st. Because I was thinking about chlorophyll, bamboo, hurting my dog. I thought I might search it. <laughs> as, as ludicrous as that sounds, uh. I think that now with the state's witnesses, as we referenced earlier, that are going to come forward with no doubt in my mind, 
know what? She was definitely not at home. This comes down to George, and it comes down to Casey. Yep. I think they have uh, thrown such a wrench in the defense's case. They're scrambling. And we saw that a little bit this morning when uh, Linda Drain Burdick put in a supplemental uh, discovery and added the two new witnesses. Did they really think that they weren't going to rebut Kate or Cindy's change in testimony? This is this is what's going to happen going forward. Yeah, the smartest thing they I could... I really... Sorry, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, Dean. No, I think the smartest thing the defense could do now is to keep Cindy off the stand. Like, uh, the good grief. Uh, and what about Lee? Here's a guy that... <laughs> who kind of flew under the radar the last few months. He's here now. They keep putting him on. He kind of giggles and laughs. And, and uh, yes, he he uh, he did um, put a big hole in Cindy's credibility today, uh, contradicted her testimony. But really, has he been much of a witness on either side? I would have found him entirely neutral until today. Yeah, me too. And that was about... Uh, the fact that his mom told him that she had had the detectives, private detectives, search down in suburban, and I want to I want to emphasize this. At no time during that time did Cindy Anthony ever inform the FBI or Orange County Sheriff's Office that she had a psychic tip that reflected Kaylee's remains less than a quarter mile from her house. And as I had said to you from day one, I never believed they, in their heart of hearts, believed their grandbaby was down the street until, well, certain uh, appearances and incidents. And even then, I think there's a difference between knowing and really knowing, if you will. They knew. What about the dopey... Oh, I'm sorry. Let me t- I'm sorry. I apologize. Cindy knew. What about the dopey psychic? I don't hold any... First of all, I've seen 800... That's an exaggeration. 798 <laughs> <laughs> emails back and forth between Dominic Casey and others. And I've reviewed every single one of them. I don't believe for 10 seconds that this came from a psychic tip. Yeah. I think it came from a psychotic tip, (laughs) and that is Casey Anthony wanting her child to be found when she was out as opposed to incarcerated so that she could have an alibi. As simple as that sounds, it wouldn't have worked, but that's what I believe. What I'm hearing... Psychotic tip, not psychic (laughs) <laughs> what I'm hearing is the two private eyes that uh, are, are really scrambling a little bit now, that they're um, not happy about having to come testify, but I guess they get themselves involved in something like this. Is there a complicity between, and you've answered this a little bit already, but I'll ask again, between Cindy, uh, Casey, and these two private eyes? It depends. And I, I say that that's the old IBM answer from my early days. <laughs> but it depends. It depends on a few things. Number one, the face of the prosecution's case has changed drastically since Cindy Anthony, in essence, has changed her tune. In her testimony, saying, I was the one that did the searches, I was the one that might have been home, yeah. there was a complete shell shock to the prosecution. I think they really erred on the side of compassion to this family. And I say that once they were able to avail them that Casey's defense team was going to say the baby was dead, she was dead on the 16th, George found her, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a certain rationalization, there's a certain realization that goes with that. They knew that Casey knew that Kaylee was dead on the 16th of June. So in their mind's eye, if you will, they are now progressing to, it had to be an accident, and whatever cover-up occurred is her fault, Yeah. but she didn't kill her. 
again, we go to these, like, enabling-type, you know, coping mechanisms with this family, and that's not going to ever change. I don't know why we would expect it to, given the loss of this child when, you know, they've had the life experiences that they've had, and nobody's surprised by it. I mean, she's walking around eight months pregnant, and, and Cindy's telling everybody, shut up. Look the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of that in my entire life. Nope, me neither. Me neither. Blink from Blink on Crime is here, our sister blog. And uh, it's Tuesday. What do you think we'll see between now and uh, Saturday? Dana, I think it's entirely possible you will go to verdict. Yeah. I think that's aggressive, um, but possible. Because Judge Perry had been emphatic that he wanted to present this case uh, for deliberation prior to July. And at this juncture, I'm not sure that's going to happen. But based on the fact that these witnesses are being proffered at the end of the day today, I, and, and you know everything that's going on with the competency hearing, I completely believe Shane Mason was looking to withdraw. It's a mess. I think they want to get in and get out. <laughs> I could come up with a million bad analogies for that. I won't. Um, but then you have the rebuttal case by the prosecution. And I I, I, I know it's going to be strong. Yeah. I, I really do believe at the end of this day, that at the end of this presentation, that it's going to be just what we've witnessed for, you know, 60 days now, which is, I think we talked about it earlier, it's like the sandlot. Bad news bears versus worse. <laughs> it's just, a, you know, it is what it is. Casey Anthony, unfortunately, at some point, murdered her child and, for whatever reason, made it look like an accident and threw her in a trash dump. And whatever goes with that is not going to be excused by the defense that has been presented. There's just no way. However it happened, I'm not sure that anybody cares anymore. Hmm. I think at this point, it's, it's about what can be proven, and at the end of the day, and, and this is really important, the state of Florida does not have to prove her cause of death. If it was relative to to chloroform or duct tape or a combination of thereof, it is still a finding for aggravated uh, child abuse, which goes to, based on the aggravating factors, first degree murder. Yep. It's not, it's going to, it's not going to end well. What do you think? Long deliberation? Short deliberation? I think a res- I'm going to underscore a respectful deliberation. Yeah. And it's going to depend on when. If, if this jury gets this case at the end of this week, it's going to be quick. Yep. I agree. And that has to, you know, it has to do with the obvious. It has to do with being away from family, being a holiday weekend. And the defense has done a abysmal, sorry, hmm. and abysmal job engaging this jury to the defense of their defendants. I mean, none of it makes any sense. We spent hours today watching, you know, as I said, the (laughs) conky-tonk and Cheney Mason forgetting his place, taking 15-minute intervals. He doesn't even know this case well enough to to uh, examine on direct in the defense case this witness, it, it went nowhere. As a matter of fact, I was going, why in the world would you want the jury to know that you personally, as a as defense, believe this baby's remains were in this fog in August when your defense theory is that she wasn't placed there until two weeks prior to December 11th 2009. Excuse me, eight. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. It flies in the face of your entire case. 
No, I agree. Yeah, to yeah. which point I was going, maybe I'm the idiot. What am I not getting? <laughs> I, I highly doubt that. Her name's Blink. It's from uh, our sister blog, BlinkOnCrime.com. Uh, check her out on the uh, infomercial channel tonight. Her and Roy Cronk will be on there selling hair care products. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But anyway, <laughs> thank you, ma'am, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Look for the Croconator. That's right. You bet. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. That's uh, Blink from Blink on Crime. Always fun to have her on uh, our sister blog, BlinkOnCrime.com. We're going to take a break and uh, come back with Robin Sachs, uh, former uh, assistant district attorney from Los Angeles County, sex crimes prosecutor extraordinaire, and she's going to give you her opinion on what's been going on with the Anthony trial. We'll be right back here on Scared Monkeys Radio. Okay, we're back. It's always a uh, pleasure to have Robin Sachs on the program, uh, a very busy gal. She's a former ADA out of Los Angeles County. She's uh, doing her own attorney work now. You see her on TV uh, as a analyst, and, of course, she's a uh, best-selling author. Robin, welcome back to the program. My honor and pleasure, as always. Uh, Casey Anthony, uh, I understand you're adopting her. No, I <laughs> actually yes, I am because once I have full custody, I'm going to ship her in a box to you. <laughs> okay, we're on day thirty. Day thirty, I think. I don't know. I'm so mixed up with this right now, but I got three questions I want to ask you, and I think they're the three most important since uh, uh, I covered this last week. First of all, the mental competency uh, question. How strange is it, is in your experience as a DA and as an attorney, for the defense to come forward? Three quarters of the way through the trial, all of a sudden to say, "Listen, our client isn't capable. Uh, she's uh, she's goofy. Uh, we need to have her examined by three psychologists." And uh, of course, we all know the ruling came back against them. They said she was capable, but how strange is it to do it at that point of the trial, Robin? Well, it's certainly not your norm to all of a sudden claim mental competency as an issue when you're at day thirty something in a trial. I've never seen it. To- done that way before, but that would have been the card I would have played long, long, long ago. The thing that what we are seeing is is that it's a big sign and a a good insight into the defense um, plate that they're dealing with right now is that they're scared, but they're scared because they're going back to the good old-fashioned delay technique, which is the oldest game in the book. You know, it, it, I call it peeing into the wind. I know you, you'll never have to experience that, at least God, I hope you don't. But <laughs> Thankfully not. <laughs> when, you, when you pee into the wind, uh, some of the bad stuff's going to come back at you, and I think uh, Jose Baez has been doing this for a while, asking for mistrial after mistrial, the mental competency thing. Uh, his witnesses actually becoming better witnesses for the... Uh, for the prosecution than they were for him. Uh, let's talk about the meter reader a little bit, Roy Cronk. Yeah, that was the big part of the uh, the opening strategy for the defense, saying that the meter reader had uh, little Kaylee, kept her for a while, then placed her there to uh, uh, get the reward money. After the testimony today, uh, I think um, uh, Mr. Baez has got Cronk. Cronk uh, was as capable and as competent of a witness as you can get. What about Jose Baez and the strategy of his? It just seems to be sinking and sinking and sinking. Well, listen, it, you know, you, he's doing whatever he can, which is the, another classic defense move, which is, you know, throw it up in the air and see what sticks. Remember, it only takes one juror to hang the whole thing up, and if you can't get an acquittal, the next best, best thing is a hung jury, and all they need is somebody to, you know, be cronkified. But the problem is, is that like good prosecutors in this case, instead of necessarily relying on their own, knowing that the defense was likely to call Roy Cronk, the prosecution was given a great advantage to be able to cross-examine him. And that's not exactly cross-examining an adverse witness, but cross-examining a friend, as we saw. And no better witness for the prosecution than the defense's own witness. So it's genius. Well, you know, Which is what makes one think that Jose Baez is even um, sillier than he, people already think. Well, exactly, and, and that's what's coming across. Of course, we see the pundits in the media talking about the case, but uh, it doesn't take long for those, even the uneducated, to see that Jose Baez is uh, is, is just stumbling along. The, the one important legal aspect uh, that has popped up since last week is the death penalty uh, constitutionality question uh, with a federal judge ruling it unconstitutional 
in Florida, and uh, of course, Baez jumped all over that like a bird on a bug and asked for a new jury. What are your thoughts on that, Robin? Well, listen, that that's one choice uh, that, um, that I can't blame him for. I mean, you've nope. got a, a major, major issue with the death penalty across the country in terms of constitutionality, whether, you know, even law enforcement people, smart law enforcement people, smart judges, smart DAs defer on that very subject. So kind of by luck and happenstance, he had that legal argument come into play here. But... Um, but, again, you know, he had to go through with that motion. I think it would have been incompetent for him not to. So I don't begrudge him for that maneuver. Uh, but, thankfully, um, you know, they, he's preserved his record. And um, I don't think that you were going to be dealing with the death penalty case at the end of the day, no matter what happens anyway. So it may be much ado over nothing. It's a good question. And, and one I was going to bring up, uh, Robin Sachs is here, former ADA Los Angeles County. Uh, the death penalty on the table now, can it be taken off the table? Certainly. I mean, that's actually something that prosecutors like to do in terms of um, taking um, charges off the table or on the table. Now, the, the issue is, and I don't recall exactly how the – I know that this jury was death penalty qualified, meaning that they were able to actually sit on this case and they were already qualified for a death penalty case um, – Right now, they are not in the penalty phase of this case. This is only the guilt phase. Right. So, you know, if I'm the prosecutor and I want to take it off the table, I want to do it as early as possible so that doesn't become an equation in terms of the guilt phase. But I don't know um, if this jury for sure knows that, that even though they were death qualified and they probably have a sense that they were not being qualified as such based on the questions they were asked doesn't necessarily mean that they know that they are actually going to be potentially making that judgment call. Well, when you look at the case, and, and the big focus is on the, the murder charge, but there's several other counts that she is facing, uh, lesser-included offense, I guess, if you want to call them that, uh, from child abuse to lying to, and I'm sure they've already agreed that uh, she's guilty of lying to law enforcement. But when it comes down to the charge to the jury, I guess, is the term that we're looking for, Robin, now, whether it's this case or any other case, uh, What's the uh, uh, what is the formula? I guess that the prosecution. We'll talk about this first. Is looking for for the judge when he does charge the jury, and what you know, you know, they talk about appeal in this case. Uh, how big is that charge to the jury when it comes to this potentially being appealed? Well, first of all, I mean, whenever you, you know, the judge is going to make um, and has made in his pre-rulings and pre-jury instructions to the jury um, that this is a case that they can't make uh, decisions on based on passion for or prejudice against the defendant. That also includes that they're not supposed to be able to think about or let punishment weigh into the decision. So in some ways, by having the death penalty as, you know, you don't want it to go the other way around, meaning um, where there was somehow, and this is where we've seen kind of some of the, the Charles Manson kind of scenarios, that that's the likely worst case result. Like Charlie Manson, first you had in the 70s in California a, a death penalty that was alive and well. Then it was determined to be unconstitutional and was taken off the book. Then it later became reinstated. Well, because of that period of time where Charles Manson was um, convicted, uh, he was originally a death penalty candidate, then was never subject to the death penalty despite the change of the law. Here you may find that the only potential is that uh, she would, you know, if the jury does come back with a death penalty, if it is con still considered uh, unconstitutional at that time, at the time of the conviction, that is, then she wouldn't be eligible, potentially, and that would be a benefit. Uh, but that may also be a, a, a factor and against her, if you ask me, because once that's off the table, if a jury does not have to contend with that, convicting her becomes a lot easier. Robin Sachs is here. Robin, you know, the layperson is sitting back watching this case. They're, they're fascinated with it. Uh, headline news is covering it gavel to gavel or almost uh, the pundits that come on after. Uh, the, the whole system is uh, under scrutiny right now, the jury system, uh, the uh, cameras in the courtroom, you name it. Uh, everybody plays to the camera a little bit, including the judge. But when the bottom line, when the, uh, as we like to say up here in Canada, the crapola hits the fan and the uh, judgment does come down, all we have to do is sit back and look at OJ. I ask you this question as a prosecutor, um, who, who's winning in this case? Uh, is it something the prosecution is? been doing a good job with. Uh, the big question is, have they proven 
uh, that Kaylee Anthony was killed by her mother? I hate that question, Zeta. Uh-huh. You know better than to ask me that question because there's nothing worse. I mean, I have a 50-50, you know, odds of it going either way. And so um, what I can tell you is just, you know, I, I chose not a career in sportscasting for this exact reason because <laughs> there is so much that is left to the individual jurors. I mean, these yeah. people, these 12 people that are sitting in judgment are people. They're human beings. And how many times have you seen human beings make dumb decisions, make unthought-out lack of reasons, um, calls. So what I think the evidence has proved and what I think the jury will do are two very different questions. Um, you know, look at, I need not say OJ, right? Right. Um, so I think, you know, from, the, you know, I, the defense case is a joke. I think that we've seen that, we've seen this case, and, and there's way, I, I, the, <laughs> their story I still laugh about. They, they raise the bar for themselves so high. Yet, at the end of the day, um, I still think that there's something very hard for people to wrap around this pretty mom purposefully intending to kill that beautiful little Kaylee just so she'd party with such maliciousness. I think that the specific intent to kill as opposed to an accidental death um, is something that people may have a hard time wrapping themselves around. Now, the good news for the prosecutors in this case is thankfully their version of the accident is so far-fetched that it's not even an accident that most people can really relate to. If they had gone, you know, the route of the little bit of Benadryl or the cough syrup to keep your kid quiet while you were in the room with adults, everyone would sympathize with that and understand, oh, this was a situation that was like, you know, gone bad. I mean, look how sympathetic Andrea Yates has gotten over the course of time. Um, So I think if she had gone that kind of mom, burnt out, exhausted, uh, never had a social life, doesn't have a dad here to help out, Ralph, she would have been much more sympathetic to this retarded excuse me, that's probably a really terrible and politically correct word to say, but a, a really not thought out defense um, in terms of being molested and therefore there was an, an accidental drowning that somehow leads her to be quiet and not reporting her kid missing for 30 days. I mean, it's just outrageous. You know, I knew you'd hate that question, but I knew you'd answer it uh, so professionally as you always do. Uh, Robin Sachs is here, uh, and, and check out her webpage at robinsachs.com. Uh, what about the coverage? I know you've been busy. You haven't had a lot of chance to uh, to, to see it, uh, but I ask this question because of the coverage, not only in this case but in other cases. Uh, say Drew Peterson comes to mind if that ever gets to trial. Uh, should there be cameras in the courtroom? Uh, the public certainly craves it. We all want justice for Kaylee, but is this justice for justice to have all this Hollywood schlock going on at the same time? Oh, God, I love when you use Yiddish with me. Dana. <laughs> um, but, you know, let me tell you, I, I'm going to speak again on both sides of my mouth, and I, I hate when you do this to me because there's one part of me that says, oh, my God, people act so differently. That's not how it really is, and people play up to the cameras. And if it was my case, I certainly wouldn't want the camera in the courtroom. But being on the side of being able to pick apart this case, look at it as an example, make people aware of the criminal justice system, and use it as a platform for advocacy for all the other cases that so badly need it, I think it's, you know, the, the benefits outweigh the burdens in this situation. I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's ideal in terms of the hoopla and the circus that go around it, but at the end of the day, people are interested in it, and I think that you have to give people what they're interested in, and I think it's an opportunity to get people aware of how the criminal justice system works and also let, you know, use it as a, a time to talk about some of these other side issues that are coming up. For example, the sexual assault stuff that comes up as a result of, you know, whether or not um, uh, Casey's aunt and his dad was a molester or not, or brother was a molester or not, it brings up that issue. It brings up the issue of competency. It brings up the issue of you know, jury sequestering. It brings up the issue of child abuse and single parenting. And so the offshoot conversations become the things of most interest in substance and change. Robin Sachs is here for about another five minutes. It's always a pleasure to have her on the program. And I'm going to ask you this question now. When uh, people profit, and I know we're going to do another show about this, uh, but when people profit from these types of cases, uh, T-shirts, bumper stickers, uh, you name it, and and they rush in and and they try to, to copyright or trademark something right away, is this something that the courts themselves can handle? Uh, let's just say a ruling, you know, there's a, um, uh, the judge comes out at the beginning of the trial, I'm trying to be as, as, uh, as lay-like as I can, and says, yeah, none of that crap until this is done, plain and simple. Nobody is going to profit from this case 
Uh, nobody is going to sell a T-shirt. Nobody is going to do any of this. And if you do, you're in contempt of this court. Or is this something that the courts just don't want to touch and it's um, you know, free enterprise system, I guess? Well, listen, I mean, it's hard to, to be um, an entrepreneur and not applaud the efforts of those who are just taking economic advantage of a scenario that's been created for them. Uh, the, you know, the, the shirt maker is not the guy who committed this crime. So yeah. that person shouldn't be necessarily penalized for, um, you know, having a good entrepreneurial idea and, and making money off of it. However, if that person is somehow connected to the defense and utilizing those profits and proceeds to somehow facilitate or sway the trial, that's when I think it does become a place for the judge to get involved. And, you know, that's where we start getting into these, you know, some of the laws and some of these things out there is, you know, I don't want the T-shirt guy paying Casey's legal bills. Right. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, last question, what have you been up to and uh, what can we look forward to from Robin Sachs in the next little while? Well, it's been a bustling law practice summer here with all kinds of cases that we're handling here in my office. And there's going to be some very exciting news coming up with whom is joining me and someone who you will know of in name but maybe not in face, and I can't tell you yet. Yeah. Um, but, I'm, you know, I'm moving to a new office like a, a big lawyer in Los Angeles does and going to the real Century City and um, flying all over the country, Long Island serial killers and sexual assault cases and all those cases that you know about. And then there's a bunch of them that you don't know about, and I've been really involved, actually, with um, some of these medical marijuana um, collectives and cooperatives who have had their who are going through a very interesting question of following the law yet being turned down and, and brings up the other side of law enforcement that I'm going to challenge you to a debate on, on one of your next shows. Oh, I would love to. Now that you mentioned that, I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past, and uh, that would be a dandy. Robin, uh, as always, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. That's Robin Sachs, uh, former ADA out of Los Angeles County, and uh, uh, you name it, she uh, likes to talk about it, and that's her thoughts on the uh, Anthony case. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. So Robin Sachs and I talking about medical marijuana is like uh, Casey Anthony giving parental advice. uh, <laughs> Robin Sachs is a proponent for medical marijuana. I am not, and it will be an interesting uh, show to say the least. But uh, there's Robin Sachs with her thoughts on the Anthony case, and I hope you all enjoyed the program. You can certainly check out podcasts of past shows, daily commentaries, listen to the show live at www.scaredmonkeysradio.com, like the man says at the end of the program. And we'll see you soon here again on the Dana Pretzer Show. been listening to the Dana Pretzer Show on Scared Monkeys Radio. We invite you to discuss tonight's program with other listeners by joining us at scaredmonkeysradio.com where you'll find program archives, links to tonight's guest websites, and further information regarding tonight's topics. Scared Monkeys Radio is a production of scaredmonkeys.com. Thanks for listening.